Hello, today we're speaking with Peter Light, CEO and co-founder at Lumen Energy. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you, James. Thrilled to be here. Great. Could you tell us a little bit about Lumen Energy? Sure. So Lumen Energy is a technology company. We are creating a platform that enables uh, commercial building owners to profitably decarbonize all their buildings swiftly. And so what we do is really automate clean energy deployment. That typically starts with solar, uh, but it often cascades into batteries and EV charging. And we see a future where there are a variety of clean energy technologies which are declining in cost. They're getting simpler to deploy. They're getting financeable. All that is good. It also means it gets really complicated for building owners to figure out what makes sense for them. And as we as we look out, we find that many commercial building owners could save a lot of money today, um, yet they don't do it. And they don't do it because it's hard, it's complicated to figure out. So that's where we step in and really make it simple to go from concept to assessment to action through a marketplace that we've developed, which we can talk more about. And um, happy to happy to share more about um, how we got here, but that's the punchline. Yeah, and I guess... It's absolutely, I think I heard about Lumen and we, we spoke a couple of years ago and you've kind of come a long way uh, since then. But going back to that initial decision to start Lumen, you know, what drove that? It was the initial decision. It was, uh, you know, it's funny. I can, I vividly remember sitting in a cold brick building, sort of the texture of the walls when I would, I had, um, I couldn't get away from this sense that there were, you know, I'd spent the, the first two decades of my career commercializing breakthrough energy generation technologies, things like fuel cells or flying wind turbines or, you know, floating solar, uh, non-lithium ion chemistry batteries. And, and I, I really just sort of was like, wait, there, there are now technologies that are cost-effective, financeable, proven, and they're not widely deployed. And, you know, why is that? And just even starting with rooftop solar, this, this work came out of some work I did at Google X when I was leading energy programs there, we were set out to you know, model the global power grid and particularly the distribution grid. Think of it like creating Google Maps for the power grid. This is a, it was a confidential project. Now it's public, it's called Tapestry. You can read more about it on the website. But in that initiative, started to work with some utilities and just got all the data for an entire city and, and regions that utilities serve and started to see that there were a lot of commercial buildings that could save money and they weren't doing it. And so that was the sort of founding story was just being bugged by that question. It's like, why, you know, the the goal is mass decarbonization on a timetable that matters, meaning, you know, 2030, you know, eight years from now, uh, really making a major dent in our carbon footprint. That, That led me to say, well, a lot of things you could do to decarbonize, you know, our society, but like let's start with mass deploying things that are already profitable because that's going to be the fastest way to mobilize capital at, at you know at, at gigatons so that was the starting point yeah it's, it's so interesting and actually it kind of mirrors some of kind of my approach to you know climate tech in an interesting way so when i was first looking at what part of the economy to kind of tackle from a kind of climate point of view initially for the first year of exploring things i completely ignored energy and transport I was like, well, we've kind of invented most of, you know, we're going to, EVs are going to win and we have solar and wind and we'll just deploy that. And the word just obviously is doing an incredible amount of work there. And I basically dramatically kind of understated in my own head, like what deploying the terawatts of energy that need to be deployed look like, and not just energy, but all the other elements of the decarbonization of of those kind of parts of the uh, carbon pie. And what I think is really exciting is 
you know, I, I was kind of like attracted to carbon markets and like all, all the things that were hot like 18 months ago. I'm now seeing this kind of reversal where people are really starting to dig in and like, oh, you know, deployments, you know, any, any sort of kind of step change in deployment of a new kind of global technology, like that's where there's massive opportunities. Well, I, I agree with that. I, I will say from a, as a, uh, you know, member of society, I'm, I'm, I'm in the all above, all the above camp. I mean, just sort of do the basic carbon math and it is, you know, it's staggering and it quickly leads to, you know, across all the sectors there, we, we need to massively decarbonize all of them at once. So there's a great news in that for anyone who's listening, who wants to get into climate tech, there's something here for you. And there are many, you know, across many different skill sets, not just sort of deep tech engineering, but, you know, business development, sales, marketing. And so happy to talk more about that software development. It's a big thing. But I think to focus on the deployment piece, that is really what I have gravitated towards. And I've spent a lot, you know, much of my career was working on things that I started with the premise that early 2000s, you go back in time, I came out of the Rocky Mountain Institute and, you know, coal was about 50% of the U.S. power grid. Solar and wind were good ideas and were sort of marching down the path, but still really expensive relative to the power grid and kind of conventional fossil technologies. And I thought, you know, they're just, I didn't see those converging anytime soon that mattered. And that was the sort of, you know, joke on me what I'm, you know, fast forward to what I'm doing now. But at the time, I thought there has to be some technology breakthrough that can solve for being both um, you know, cost effective, low or zero carbon and reliable. And, um, you know, that led me to a bunch of early stage uh, generation technologies I mentioned to talk more about. But in that experience, I started to see there's just, there's so much technical risk and in bringing forth a new device and it has been done and it will continue to be done. And it's a great thing, but it really forces the question like, Hey, if there's stuff that already works and is cost effective, you know, my orientation is like, w- let's get that to the economic frontier and, and mass deployed as quickly as possible. And when you start to look into those issues, there are a lot of really complicated issues um, and topics around making it simple. And I think this applies to what we're doing, but it also applies to EV adoption. You sort of see this you know, in many different sectors. So happy to chat more about that. Yeah, and so you know, once you kind of had that directionally, it's going to be about the deployment piece and and you kind of the importance of that. There's a lot of different ways to kind of think through the deployment, but you kind of end up focusing on buildings. What was that thought process? And I guess were there, did you kind of consider any pivots along the way? Yes, there was a there was a kind of as I joked to some of my colleagues, it was you know V zero one minus ten, and just a very early version where. And again, you kind of come back to the frame of looking across an entire city, let's say like Los Angeles, you know, okay, all these buildings, they're today served by the electric utility, which is on its sort of, you know, kind of slow decarbonization pathway. What I started to look at was like, well, geez, th- those utilities have their own decarbonization goals, either forced upon them or, or, or well-intentioned or even cost-driven. And if you sort of left alone if you sort of let all of these devices proliferate on the grid, meaning electric vehicles, thermostats, solar panels, batteries, just way too much complexity, much more than utilities have ever been set out to to deal with. And that really was the sort of founding story behind what is now Tapestry, the Google X program, is really to sort of build a better real-time map and model of the power grid. But within that same sort of lens, I thought, you know, well, hey, like, wouldn't these utilities like to have a hand in shaping the direction of the deployment of 
you know, rooftop solar and, and on-site batteries that are just, that is already happening. And so I started to reach out actually to some utilities, some of the most kind of forward-leaning ones that were in, in California and, um, you know, and some that had, uh, that I thought had the most incentive to consider, you know, hey, might we partner where we, Lumen, would provide the data science on and, and build atop the individual user data that utilities had, where they had the billing and consumption data for each and every building. And then we could help go uh, shape the deployment of on-site energy assets that would then help the utility. So this is sort of a converging these, you know, bringing these systems together, co-optimizing them. And did some math, looked like a great idea on paper, seems like it would help them, them and utilities. You know, and had two or three meetings. It started to go really well, and I was like, "Wow, this is great. We're onto something." And then went cold. I just didn't return emails, didn't return phone calls. And um, you know, if anyone has been on a startup journey, who's listening in, uh, you know, are you James? That's um, <laughs> this is all all part of it. But it's certainly hard to sort of you know to to stomach that. But then also, it's like, okay, this is data point. If you know some of the most forward-leaning utilities that this notion is just you know you just have to deal with it. It's not they're not wanting what I am seeking to offer them, um, and so it took my it took me a while, and I had the great fortune of time of meeting uh, Dave Cohen, who's now my co-founder. He was um, had been had had been a consultant at Bain, and then later a software development and a product leader at Stripe. For many years, and then a company called SnapDocs in the, in the automating a lot of pieces in the mortgage industry, and, and we started to say, okay, there's there's a huge market here with commercial buildings, but there's some barrier, and so let's go find out what that is. And it and I'd say together it took us a while, but it really crystallized like it is the building owner who is the decision maker about whether any of this will happen at their building or not, and so let's work back from how people who own buildings think about uh, getting their energy. And so we set out to talk to many building owners and we heard again and again in, in a sort of range of kind of scale of companies and ownership patterns. It's like, yeah, it's a great idea. Like I love, I love saving money. That sounds good. You know, I love going green. That sounds good too. And we're like, great, why have you done it? And, you know, surely you've looked into all of this. And surprisingly, but consistently, we got the answer, well, you know, actually, like I kind of like I just like I do my day job, like I, you know, I work with tenants and I work on buying buildings and making sure the parking lot is clean and you know, working with my bank on financing. And so like I, I either I haven't looked into this, but I should, it's kind of deep on my task list. Or, you know, the alternative we got was no, we looked into this a lot. Like we spent a lot of time on this. And we just got bogged down in the complexity and we like, quote, had to turn our attention to other things. And so, you know, as part of our customer discovery, we, we compiled all these interviews and the consistent pattern was people, it's interesting, no one used this word, but the theme was kind of intimidation or just overwhelm or just, you know, I feel like I'm going to get, you know, quote, I feel like I'm going to, I have, this is too much brain damage, so I don't get screwed. So I'm not going to get into it. So that all led us to say, well, what if we could make kind of like a zestimate for clean energy for every building and instantly price it so you could cut through all the data complexity of just figuring out, does this make sense for me? And provide that in a way that is investment grade and precise and verifiable for the building owner and speak in their language. And that is 
um, led to led to what we're developing today. And what are those kind of, I guess, inputs to that kind of estimate type model that, that you built that is so overwhelming to the building owner? I'm sure they're very familiar with, you know, managing different types of documents, all this kind of thing. But there's there's this extra thing. There's all the kind of associated uh, benefits and incentives and all these things associated to uh, clean energy, electrification, and so on. And so, yeah, so what, what, were, what are the kind of compounding complexities that, I guess, turned off those building owners and they're looking for a solution that kind of simplifies things? Yeah, it, well, it's, I, I call it just like a thousand paper cuts. And what I mean by that, it's, it's a many different domains of data that you have to sort of get comfortable with if you, if you want to take this on yourself. You, you could either just, you know, said, look, I just want to do something on one building. It's like get a proposal from someone. They're not going to get the best deal. I'm going to be fine and just go forward. But if you, when you start to say, wait, I, you know, I've got 100 buildings or 300 buildings or 1,000. And I see this as the opportunity to go deploy what is really a new asset class. And, and there's a real opportunity to, to create a new cash flowing asset. And so I'm, and this is like the language of a real estate owner who's, who's thinking, well, oh, I, like, I, I know about deploying capital and getting a return on it, but I have to do that smartly. And then I need to think through all the inputs and outputs of a financial model. So if you get on that list for, let's just say the simpler technology of, of, of rooftop solar, you quickly get into, okay, well, what's, what's the energy use today at that building? And then what is that composed of in, in energy charges, demand charges, fixed costs from, from utility, which by the way, vary for every utility and about 15,000 utilities tariffs across the U.S. Then you get into, well, okay, what, what's, how much roof space do I have? How much, what is the equipment cost? What's the fair price for it? Then what are the incentives? Do I have tax, you know, do I have the, the correct sort of tax exposure to take advantage of those? Are there local incentives? What's the degradation of the equipment? What's operations and maintenance? How much should I assume over the five and 10 years? And, you know, so that's, that's I've just given a, a, a sub list. I will not bore the reader with the audience with sort of the sure. additional list, but there's, there's a long list of disparate domains to get good at. And you can start, as you start to poke into this, you see, well, you know, as a customer recently described it to me, it's like, I have found myself digging through all these rabbit holes and I just get lost in them. And then I just, I switch on to other things. And so that, that like, this is touching the climate problem right now is people want to do the right thing and they see a financial opportunity, but it's too complicated to really get to a decisive moment for them. And I guess what's even kind of compounding it is, places like New York City who will add some sort of electrification incentive, uh, which is great, but it's just now one more thing to worry about, right? And so when even you have policy that's trying to incentivize like you know, mass electrification, additional renewable energy deployment, all those kind of things, if it's just like one other thing to, to think about and it isn't like digested in this consumable whole, then it actually won't have like the positive effects that policymakers want. And so that makes absolutely complete sense to me. Kind of going, as you were talking to, to those building owners, you're kind of getting a sense of like this scatter of just like incredible complexity. And, you know, with your background, complexity, I'm sure, and data complexity is exciting, right? Because you have worked and used tools like data science and machine learning and so on that enable you to kind of make sense of that uh, in ways that 20, 30 years ago might not even have been possible. And so I guess... 
going from that kind of initial insight to what a, like an early MVP and an early product deployment, what was that like? Yeah. So what we what we set out to do in an in an MVP where we said, okay, there's there, you know, there there are all these different, you know, think of it visually like the pieces of the puzzle on a table. Like how do we how do we stitch them together into a a coherent picture for a building owner? And we we found that what we started to do is said, like, let's just pick a city and let's see if we can remotely price each and every commercial building for its clean energy potential and and deliver that to the building owners. And so we picked Hayward, California, which happens to be a place if you ever take off in an airplane out of uh, San Francisco airport and you look out the window and you'll see lots of big empty rooftops and a number of big warehouses there. And we just kind of arbitrarily picked it for that reason. And we got really lucky because it turned out the city of Hayward had an open data set about all the buildings and, and permit history online, which is great. And what we did is we started to assemble all these disparate pieces that I started to describe. We, you know, in, in past lives, I had also worked with various U.S. national labs and realized that there was all this building energy data science that had been pioneered on supercomputers. It had been work, you know, conducted by PhDs and and just incredible modeling, but they've been kind of stuck in in the labs and you know, kind of technically available, but in practice, not really tapped beyond kind of the academic realm. And so we we dug into that and said, how can we apply um, some of this work to really get the best handle on profiling buildings and, and assessing without actually getting any data from the building owner? How can we get close at assessing what is the energy use in this building all the way down to the, each and every hour of the year? And then getting into the electricity tariffs that were likely for that building and essentially simulating the electricity bill for that customer in software, using that as a baseline to then uh, run, you know, again, in software to run in simulation, well, what would be the optimal, the cost optimal clean energy mix for this customer? And we did all that uh, then just to simply produce a number like, hey, this is the, these are the dollars you can save as a building owner. And then we deliver that through direct marketing to those building owners. And that's how we started. And we found, you know, we were wildly off in some places, but we started to, uh, we, we, we found um, some warehouses that had cement garden gnomes in them, but, you know, no electricity use, you know, but we also found some that were, you know, uh, food processing facilities that had a lot of electricity use that were very interested. And we really got our footing that way and, and started to sort of build our engine and, and verify the you know, data in our cycle. And then along the way, I'll just say we were contacted by commercial building owners who said, you know, I don't have one building, but I have a lot of buildings. And we have a, you know, essentially now a board level commitment to deploy clean energy, you know, starting with solar everywhere it makes sense. But the problem is we just don't know where it makes sense. We don't know how to do this systematically. And so that's where we have found actually that there's been a greatest uptake of, uh, of what we provide today. Yeah, there's a couple areas there that I'll kind of touch upon. So first on the data side, I said this to folks all the time who are you know, trying to build companies that have like a, a data component. If you can avoid getting having to need data from your customer to build something, like really avoid it at all costs. Data that you can collect yourself is to me 10 to 100x more valuable than data you can get from the customer, at least in the early days, because it just takes so long to get data from customers and experiences across a lot of different industries and a lot of different customers. And go back to your earlier uh, you know, initial conversations with utilities, that was probably honestly like the thing that froze some of that, you know, in those kind of internal discussions and, and why they may not have kind of gone back to you. 
is, okay, we have to go through such a rigmarole to try to get data, which often is stored in weird ways and all this kind of thing out to a third party. And we have to go through legal and all these kind of things that slow it down. So I, I love this kind of approach to collecting your own data and just re- dramatically reducing the friction for the business owner. And it, often <laughs> when you do it this way, people are shocked that you can find out more about their own business than they know themselves. And it actually has this like a, a, this really valuable kind of eye-opening moment when you're kind of doing that demo and, and, and that kind of thing. So I think that that all makes a ton of sense. In terms of the, I guess, real estate investment trusts and like these large kind of aggregations of commercial buildings, I've actually talked to a few of those folks myself as part of other projects. And they've absolutely said the exact same thing to me. It's like they have this kind of triage approach to decarbonization. It's like we're going to offload the dirtiest properties we have. We're going to add solar and electrify the eighty percent, like of the eighty percent of the portfolio that that makes sense, and then we'll do some greenfield development on the other five to ten percent. And so, if you think about just the number of commercial buildings in the United States and how many of those are kind of uh, aggregated in REITs and other similar kind of commercial entities, uh, commercial real estate entities, like that's to me seems like the massive opportunity and the most exciting opportunity for Lumen. It is, I think, it is one of one of multiple sectors and it is it's a great opportunity for for lumen but it's also a great opportunity for these building owners and i think if you know just to sort of take an example i mean there's some larger ones who own let's just say many warehouses you know there's a there's a, a company for instance who owns on the order of about three thousand warehouses nationally and they're a leader in deploying solar and it's interesting you sort of just go look at their math you know i won't won't name them by name but just sort of give you the example they're like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, we're, we've got a plan and they're, they're thought leaders in it. They're deploying, you know, on the order of like 40 or 50 buildings a year. And that's both wildly ambitious and yet way behind the, the sort of scale of what's possible to be profitable. So w- what I mean by that is, okay, that's a half their buildings would be, you know, would get solarized in, in, you know, 15 years. So that's where it's where I, we think there's just a there's a chance to go do this. Excuse me, thirty years. And so that's what we see is the chance to really get out of kind of spreadsheets and emails and just all the painful back and forth that happens to coordinate some of these projects and really just make it happen at a ten x hundred x scale. As you were saying, three thousand. Oh, that's so exciting! Like you know, you get them run up and running in the next eighteen months, and yeah, and, and for them internally, they're like hitting you know maybe their internal targets and, and taking that amount of time. You know, one, one of the I guess the levers to speed this up is making sure that the if the demand is there from the business building owners, the supply of the underlying panels, tech of various types, are there as well as you know, I'm sure financing is a piece. And you mentioned like the, the kind of marketplace dynamics that. Uh, you're kind of have as part of Lumen. Could you speak to that? You know, in, in general, there, there are many marketplaces which we all as sort of you know, individuals and consumers have interacted with today that I think the, you know, I think one of the stunning things that's revealed, whether it be, you know, Airbnb or Uber, I mean, they're, they're so familiar, but what's startling is just the, the revealing of supply, the, the latent supply that existed and we didn't know it. And I think that is something that, that I see here where the, you know, the ability to go deploy uh, on-site clean energy, you know, again, starting with solar, there are a few hundred thousand contractors nationally, and um, this has been one of the fastest growing segments of, of the job industry that are qualified um, to do this. So there's, there's still not enough people that are qualified, but the point is that there are many, many people out there that can do this. But if you go talk to them, 
they'll say, look, I, you know, I am a clean energy installer, uh, but I have to, not only do I have to manage a team and go do, get the permits and all that, I, I have to, I'm burdened with kind of sales and marketing and customer development and, and walking these building owners through all these choices. And so I do all this engineering work. I submit 10 proposals, eight of them go nowhere. And so for them, that is a real cost and that effectively inflates the, the sort of total delivered cost because that's all just sort of overhead for these EPC companies or engineering procurement construction companies. And so what we're seeking to do with Lumen Energy is make it really easy for them to get to a known vetted project and really provide them digitally with the pieces that they need to be able to quickly go bid on and act on a project. And so that has a benefit for the local installers um, who, who tend to be local and tend to know all the local building codes and, and kind of all these, these attributes that are kind of hard to make uh, happen nationally. Um, or to scale nationally. And then for the building owners, we find this notion of a the, the efficiency of a marketplace is very appealing because they realize that they've looked at the math themselves where um, solar grid had a great post on the New York Times about this recently. If you look at the, the cost of solar deployment in Australia is just a fraction of what it is in the US today. And it's you know, the great news is that the hardware costs have fallen dramatically, but the soft costs, meaning the everything else Profit overhead construction costs are very high in the U.S. They can be over 50% of the project costs, um, and they vary widely from project to project. So, if you sort of put yourself in a building owner's shoes, as you know, as we did on some of our early projects in California, we we did all the math, got very precise about how many panels could fit on a roof, what is the exact optimal uh, amount of on-site clean energy, solar, and batteries for that given load profile, tariff, all of that. And then we set it out to bid and we got bids that were all over the place. And it was startling to see how inefficient that process was. So that's something that we are really seeking to streamline through a marketplace in the second of three stages of our, our product platform that we call Act. And so I've actually talked to quite a few you know, HVAC installers um, in New York as part of you know, other conversations and so on. And they've, they've spoken to this exact issue where because they're trying to move into a, you know, the skill sets are nearly identical to what they've been doing, installing AC units for 30 years, but moving to installing heat pumps, the tech is nearly identical, but the model and the structure and the components are a bit different. The supply chains are a bit different. How to actually converse with the, the owner of the building is a bit different. And so because of all, all those little frictions, and it goes back to the frictions that the, comp the building owner themselves also suffer, kind of have to manage, again, directing and, and reducing those frictions is like so core, I guess, to your approach. But yeah, I would love to kind of touch upon the, the kind of third part of the product, uh, which I guess is the financing side. Uh, yes. So, so financing is a key piece of, I think, of, of really deploying any, any clean energy technology. It is... It is uh, I was talking to someone the other day that, that, you know, structured finance or project finance is this sort of like poorly understood part of that just like runs the world of infrastructure deployment. And in the case of, you know, energy, uh, you know, energy assets, let's take just wind or solar in particular, where there's zero fuel costs and you're, you're, you know, your sense you're buying equipment that will generate energy for 20, 30, 40 years up front. And you're, you're paying for all that CapEx up front. So it is, it's, it's amazing long-term, but it really needs to be financed. And, and especially for, you know, in our case, putting yourself in the shoes of building owners, people are used to paying utility uh, month by month. And it's, 
you know, that, that's the grand bargain with, with the utilities, having a monopoly utility who can serve an end customer. And there's really just kind of a mostly non-negotiable price. Um, but you as, a, you know, as a building owner, you have the freedom to just stop paying and leave at the end of the month. And that's it. And then you're faced with this alternative, which is, wow, like I, I see that electric utility rates went up 12% nationally in the last 12 months, which is you know, just startling you know, above the, the very high CPI. So people get there's this economic opportunity, but then you get into, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to use my own cash or rarely do people want to use their own cash to go pay for something that feels like outside of their business. So you, you, you know, most roads lead to uh, financing clean energy assets. So there you get into kind of a, you know, multiple different options. And, and I think this is again, where people get high centered, where particularly people in real estate who are very familiar with financing and want to understand all of the options. There are the typical options of, of you know, cash purchase or a loan or you know, the, the conventional PPA, which we can talk more about. There's also on-bill financing called PACE financing in some places. But these, you know, each of these has, has wiggles and turns and you know, s- special considerations for qualifying for the investment tax credit. And it just, it calls upon a specialty. So what we seek to do as a company is provide building owners with the options and as, and just clear as transparent as possible, along with an easy button to say, hey, I just want clean energy, cheaper than grid. Um, and so we have third-party financing partners that um, enable us to do that. But we don't, we don't sort of, we're seeking to give building owners the choice in a transparent way um, with the kind of answer up front, and they can go dig all the way down to to bare metal, so to speak, in in the models if they want to understand um, all the pieces behind the scenes. And I would absolutely encourage any building owners to check out the Luma website. Like the actual flow and the ability to kind of immediately get insight over what's possible, I think is very very slick and better than I've seen on a lot of products that are trying to solve similar types of problems. And so yes, yeah, so I guess. Where is Lumen today and what are the kind of target over the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, well, where we are today is um, we are a, a technology team based in San Francisco, though we're remote first. We have people in Brazil, Uganda, you know, we have teams overseas in, in India. So we're, um, we're really already just as a company, we're already, you know, around the world. And then in terms of where we are commercially, um, we're working with a number of commercial building owners now who really have a bold commitment to decarbonize and they want to do it profitably. And, and I think they're starting to see the potential to, to realize that. And they, they're, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I'll share a conversation that I had recently with a, a large industrial REIT and they had advertised on their website. Many real estate websites have like big, bold numbers of their they're kind of their their flex numbers, and one of them was that they had I think 1.1 billion dollars of, of basically rent every year from their tenants. And we looked at all their buildings, just kind of in our software, did the math, and we're like, you know what, you have your tenants are buying on the order of about a billion dollars of electricity each year. So, you know, so for your marquee number of what you see as your revenue as a company, that today is being spent by your tenants and going out the door not to you. So wouldn't you like to consider that as, as part of your P&L essentially one day and do that sensibly? Like it's not gonna work everywhere. You can't just go deploy solar and clean energy. Like you will, you will waste money if you do that. You have to do it smartly. 
But if you do do it smartly, it really is a new asset class commensurate with the scale of your existing business. And so I think there are companies that are starting to see that. We are, we're, we are quite busy as a team. Um, we're growing and we're, we're having a lot of fun doing that. And I would just say from a, the last thing is just from a company building perspective, we're seeking to be very deliberate and uh, bringing people aboard who really love the problem you know, fall in love with the problem and want the responsibility to sort of own a key piece of uh, advancing our company. And uh, I think, you know, like that sort of freedom and opportunity that, that come along with that. I, I love this example that, that you mentioned, you know, being able to go into any sort of, you know, sales call, sales demo conversation with a potential customer and have something so specific to their use case that it's, it would nearly be crazy for them not to move forward. <laughs> like is, is such a kind of... Uh, a powerful way to kind of think through. And as any startup starts to build capabilities across their core problem solution set, you actually do start to develop these opportunities to bring that directly into sales calls, marketing, all those kind of things. You know, one of my kind of favorite marketing tactics that a lot of cool startups do is use their, their tech to identify some sort of metric or number and then start running that metric against potential customers and say, hey, customer, you think you're X, but you're actually Y. Um, would you be interested in trying to get to X? And that could be everything from you know your employee engagement score to your uh, your how green you actually are from a clean energy electrification deployment point of view. And so I absolutely loved that kind of take and bringing that directly into the go to market. That's good to hear, and I think that's something that that we've seen that has been powerful is that that reveal. I'll, I'll say also um, there are a number of companies out that um, that are doing a great job. I say at making carbon accounting dashboards. And then those dashboards often leads to buying carbon offsets, which I think is is in one sense progress, though I think I, I just have a, I arrive at that scenario and I say, you know, those those offsets and, per, per, and particularly carbon reduction offsets, which I think as a society, again, we should have, like we should be pursuing carbon removal. But the, you know, the long run goal is that those reach kind of like $100 a ton. So you can sort of stare at that reality and say, wow, that's the long run technology goal with a lot of investment still to come and a lot of de-risking still to happen. Meanwhile, there are things people could do today that are carbon reducing and profitable for those businesses. So like, let's do all of those things first. And I think that's where, you know, we as a company are setting out to say, how do we, how do we reveal that in a way that almost it's like creating, you know, a, a, this sort of a, you know, a tractor or this sort of, you know, gravity field that makes it easy for capital to flow into these places where, where it naturally wants to go. And it goes back to the very beginning of our conversation. And, and you mentioned having like a all of the above portfolio like mindset in terms of solving these problems. And I also think, and I agree with that, but I also think about that, it kind of goes to the timing piece. It's like, you know, one of the reasons deployment is so important right now of what we have already invented and have commercialized is to buy time for some of those other more moonshot, longer range things to get to commercialization. And so I, I personally think we're going to need a, a ton of direct air capture, but it's not going to be ready for 12 years, potentially, maybe longer. And so everything we do now buys us years or buys us time on the back end for when these technologies hopefully get, get to the deployment they need to get to. Peter, it's been absolutely brilliant to kind of talk to you. Before we finish off, is there anything I should have asked you about but did not? Uh, well, I will say that um, first, thank you, James. And I say, you know, secondly, that we are... Um, we are actively hiring at Lumen Energy, so you can check out our website, getlumen.com or, or lumen.energy, either one, and you'll, you can see the careers page of software development, sales, marketing, 
um, a whole number of areas. And, uh, you know, I think something that I'll, I'll leave you with is uh, buildings are persistent. And, you know, most of the buildings that will exist in 2050 or by, you know, anyone's net zero time horizon, most of those buildings are have already been built. And so, uh, and further, most of those buildings as vehicles electrify, those buildings will become hubs uh, or part of the system that can power our transportation. And so I think that's tremendously exciting. Uh, but it also puts a lot of pressure on saying, how can you find ways to uh, decarbonize buildings? And if you can do it profitably, that's that's phenomenal because that is going to be catalytic to make it happen at speed. Couldn't agree more. And a great message to end. And we'll include the careers page in the show notes. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, James. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. I cannot express how appreciated it is. And we'll be back next week with another episode.